Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we have um, a perfect topic for what is going on in the news these days. Um, if perhaps uh, many of you will know already that uh, recently a student at Rutgers University, a gay student, Tyler Clementi, um, had an unfortunate an unfortunate um, incident happen where his roommate, who was obviously homophobic, uh, set up a webcam and um, knew that Tyler was going to be having a male guest in their room because he had asked to have the room from a certain time to a certain time, and um, and had set up a web- webcam and went into his the roommate went into his friend's room, a woman, just a friend, um, also students at the university, and they set the webcam on, and then they broadcast it um, on the Internet. And Tyler um, was having a sexual encounter with another man. And, um, you know, this, this um, outing caused Tyler, and I mean, not just a, you know, a, a personal one-on-one outing, but essentially the whole world and 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 in uh, a compromising situation, um, this caused him so much despair that he um, tried telling uh, his RA, his resident advisor, and someone else at the university. Um, and apparently, they really didn't do anything about it, or it's nothing sufficient, or nothing to make him feel that something sufficient was going to be done. And um, in his grief and his confusion and his, um, uh, you know, feeling of betrayal and all kinds of other um, embarrassment, humiliation, uh, and so on, uh, such a violation, I mean, it's essentially like being raped, um, he, because he did not find a um, someone or someones to give him, to help him out of this or, or to, to comfort him in this situation and to show that they were appalled and were going to do something about his roommate, um, he took it on his own to jump off the Washington Bridge. Um, and that, of course, is an unfortunate decision, an unfortunate uh, conclusion to reach, but he was in that much pain. So today, um, my guest, as I started to say, is a perfect topic for today, uh, we're going to be talking about sexual identity crisis, homophobia, and tragic headlines. My guest is Sanda Davis. She is the author of a book called Am I a Man or a Woman? Welcome to the show, Sanda. Thank you, Dr. Lieberman. Well, first of all, um, before we get back to the roommate, well, no, let's let, <laughs> while we're on that, um, let's, I'd like to hear your thoughts about uh, poor... Tyler, and what happened? Uh, You just made a great point. Uh, He was angry after uh, he he saw that his privacy was violated. And, of course, he was very confused. 
And when he did go to to see somebody taking some action, he needed somebody to be appalled, uh, rightfully so. He needed somebody to be angry with him, to amplify his anger. Uh, and there was nobody there to keep him strong enough in that moment. Anger would have kept, kept him away from the depression that came after. Um, if he had a sense of something is being done about that, he, he almost had a cause, uh, stand up for himself, uh, not allow anything like that to happen. Uh, so I think that uh, somebody siding with him at that moment would have made a great difference. Yes, and you know, it's so sad because um, after he died, after he committed suicide, um, the students at Rutgers are, have been doing all of these protests and marches and memorials and those kinds of things. And I can't help but thinking if Tyler would have known that he had that much support and, and that people cared about him so much, he never would have jumped. Uh, certainly. Uh, certainly. And if he knew how much he was valued for the nice person that he was, for the great violin player that he was, if he knew how people see him as a person rather than uh, uh, the way they, uh, he, he, he thought that they just see the, how he said it on Facebook fag, you know, is uh, yeah, a pejorative term that uh, didn't help him feel good about himself. Yeah, if he knew how people can see him for the person he is, definitely he would have uh, had the time to have a second thought. Yes. You know, it's interesting also that he apparently didn't tell his parents uh, about what happened. And and I don't know whether his parents, uh, I mean, I had the impression that they knew that he was gay, but it's, in, you know, it's it's sad that he didn't feel he could trust them enough or that he would get enough comfort or whatever it was. It's just sad that he, he didn't go to them. Uh, that's one thing that has to come out of this. Uh, parents and children have to discuss um, potential scenarios and be prepared for everything and, and know that they are there for each other. Now I'm thinking, I don't know the particulars, but uh, in therapy with uh, um, parents that came with, uh, with their gay children, I did see parents being very loving, very understanding, but uh, very protective of the privacy. Like they could be loving with a child, but they couldn't have anybody know in the neighborhood. Mm. So now with the camera, we have a huge exposure so uh, we don't know yeah. how the parents would have reacted if this was public. Maybe yes, could... that's a very good point. That's right. I mean, whether or not they knew he was gay, or whether or not, you know, they accepted it. I mean, presumably they accepted it if they knew. But yes, the fact that uh, that this was now broadcast to the whole world, he might um, Tyler might not have gotten the reaction from them that he would have liked. It's created a family crisis beyond the crisis that he had. It disturbed the people that he had to rely on. Yes. You know, I um, it's really, I mean, the, the, one of the biggest, I mean, besides obviously the biggest tragedy being his death, um, another tragedy, uh, one will, which will probably come out in a lawsuit, is um, how the college, the RA, and whoever else knew at the college that they didn't do anything more, that they didn't take immediate action to show that this wouldn't be tolerated. There is a collective responsibility here. 
uh, what the what the college students did was obviously extremely wrong. No matter if they filmed him doing his homework, and still they had no right to film him without his consent. But uh, what they did is one thing, but uh, the whole collective had uh, had something that could have been done differently. Yes. Um... You know, what I haven't seen written about, though, is this aspect that the re- here, here his roommate comes to school and he gets pay- paired with a guy who is obviously, well, at some point he knew he was gay, and he's sleeping in the same room. And obviously this um, triggered something in his roommate, his homophobia, his fear of, um, you know, what is it going to be like uh, being in a, having as a roommate a guy who's gay. And um, I mean that was why he did this. It was a it was a very uh, a very mature, a very horrible, a very you know um, um, hateful uh, way of handling it. But you know it was based upon his psychological reaction, his fears of whether whether his roommate is going to make um, some kind of sexual overture to him. You know, it was a way of his his handling, a terrible way of his handling his own insecurities and his own prejudices um, about having a gay roommate. Which says that uh, the colleges have to and universities have to be very sensitive to where the children are at and uh, the young people are at, and uh, give them the choices, and at the same time give them the the education necessary so that they could be at ease, or maybe they could have uh, met and discussed. If this was in the open between them, they could have met and discussed, and uh, maybe uh, uh, Tyler could have said, uh, don't worry about the thing, you are not my type. <laughs> or I, I have no intention to make a pass at, at you. I know how to, how to be um, reserved, and I have my own interests. I'm not interested in you. And that could put uh, some things at ease because uh, while we have to be very sensitive to the needs of the homosexual, we also have to be very sensitive to the needs of the straight person. Everybody has their fears and their confusions, and they need to be helped to deal with that as well. Yes. Um, yes, it's a whole, you know, it's a... Uh... It's an issue for for dormitories, you know, for schools pairing up people. Um, you know, well, I guess it's a good question. Should they should they be asking what a person's sexual orientation is? I mean, obviously that's privacy, and and I don't think students should be should have to tell what their sexual orientation is before they get assigned to a roommate. But um, you know, this does this is a, an uncomfortable issue that that does need to uh, get more attention. I think in the past it's gotten swept under the rug. Uh, I think school administrators haven't wanted to deal with this and and, um, have just kind of disregarded sexual orientation in assigning rooms. But I'm sure that this incident has made uh, all the colleges sort of scratch their head and, and think about what their policies are. In a, yeah, in a way, uh, I can see two important points here. In a way, it's like assigning uh, a girl and a boy to, a same, uh, to yes. the same room. 
uh, it could be uncomfortable. Uh, and some, uh, even if they say, okay, I'm not going to make a pass at you, there's still a different tension in the air. Now I'm thinking that uh, uh, forcing disclosure is definitely not, uh, not a good uh, start, but I'm thinking that if somebody is not out of the closet, they'll be very careful to, to, uh, to protect their roommate, to not give any hints, particularly when they have a roommate. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, they're out, uh, if they're out of the closet, if it is known, then it has to be discussed in a mature and respectful way. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, I mean, I remember when, you know, some people are uncomfortable when they, when they started making co-ed dorms even or co-ed floors. Um, a lot of people, not everybody thought that was a great idea. A lot of people were uncomfortable with that. So yes, I mean, I guess, I guess the key is college is hard enough. <laughs> there are <laughs> enough tra- challenges, um, both academic and social, that these kinds of things really do need to be taken into consideration. Uh, I uh, I feel also for for the young people who did this uh, who. Oh. who uh, I think we're going to have to hear about your feelings after the break. I hear the music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need to take a break. Um, today right. we're talking about sexual identity crisis, homophobia, and tragic headlines with my guest, Sandra Davis, the author of Am I a Man or a Woman? You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about sexual identity crisis, homophobia, and tragic headlines uh, with psychotherapist Sandra Davis. She is the author of Am I a Man or a Woman? And let's, um, well, you were actually, you were in the middle of saying something, but I was going to ask you about um, why, and maybe it connects to what you were going to say, um, why you wrote this book. You're a psychotherapist. I'm sure you deal with uh, all kinds of issues. Um, I know you specialize in families. So what made you decide to write, to choose this topic to write a book on? I uh, I came across families that had uh, had uh, problems with uh, gender disorder in one of the spouses, like the husband uh, cross dressing, and that uh, uh, created a strain in the family. Um, I uh, had uh, family uh, therapy with people who actually one of the spouses felt guilty because he was uh, having homosexual encounters on the side or had had homosexual experiences. So it actually came from uh, dealing with that in the family dynamic. I did not initially, I did not purposefully chose that uh, that subject, but as it became very relevant, then I wanted to help more, that I felt that I can help. And uh, for a while, I worked with uh, a lot of people who had gender identity disorder, uh, sexual identity crisis, because I wanted to make sure that I understand it right and that I, I, I felt that I can help them. And uh, that led to the book, Am I a Man or a Woman, as a response to questions that people had in sessions. Well, that's interesting. Well, tell us about some of these um, examples. Uh, I had uh, uh, I had people with gender disorders ask exactly that question. Like, I need to figure out, am I a man or am I a woman? Uh, I look like a man, but inside I have this woman screaming and wanting me to go for surgery. 
and uh, unless I cross-dress, I cannot even go to church unless I have at least panties under. Uh, if I want to uh, be the man that I am, I have to give in to the woman, and I'm fighting with that. So it came in that I need to know what I am, and I need to understand. These were the two main uh, 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 two main points. I need to know, and I need to understand. Okay. And, of course, I had to make the effort to understand for the sake of the people that were there. Mm-hmm. So what would you tell someone who would ask you that? How would you help them to figure this out? I would help them to understand what's happening inside them, uh, of them. Actually, I've, I've learned from people. I did not have a preconceived notion about what's happening. I said, well, let's see uh, when did this start. You know, the, the usual uh, procedure in, in therapy. Uh, when did you start to have that? Um, how did that happen? And uh, step by step, uh, I got deeper into understanding. And uh, uh, the three main uh, uh, dramatic uh, states of a person with gender identity crisis is uh, why, I need to know why, uh, why me, and then uh, they want to be free of confusion. They want to understand because understanding would break the confusion. Mm-hmm. So I found myself, uh, as I uh, researched and find out, found out that the suicide rate was three to four times higher in teenagers with, uh, uh, with gender issues, uh, that really moved me. Uh, I could say today that uh, young people like Tyler were uh, the motivation for all the work that I've done to understand and to help them to understand because suicide is a major problem. It doesn't matter if one is in the closet or out of the closet. Suicide is a major problem. And it's sad, a lot of human value lost to suicide. And uh, that, was, that was my strongest motivator. Uh-huh. So, um, so, can, so how would you help people to, um, to understand why they're that way and why, why them and so on? Uh, uh, initially, like I said, I've learned from people. Now I can guide them easier because of uh, the 22 years of experience in psychotherapy that allow me to to have some faster clues uh, and uh, understanding some of the internal process helps me to uh, help them understand without biasing the outcome. Uh, I'm trying my best to to keep my thinking away, but ask uh, ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I. Uh, I uh, understood that uh, uh, mood swings, uh, for instance, which uh, uh, the lower bit we know is is dangerous and the high can be dangerous as well. Anxiety can be leading to suicide and um, uh, depression can lead to suicide or to crisis behavior. Uh, So uh, I found that behind the mood swings, uh, there is imprinting, there is dissociation. So understanding how dissociation works helped me to understand 
uh, why the mood swings, uh, what's in one uh, dissociated part, what's on the other one, uh, help guide the person to understand and to master the two the two aspects uh, that uh, that uh, create uh, the instability that creates dangers. Well, could you problems. give an can you give an yeah. example? I mean, of course, I'm not asking you yeah. to reveal a patient's name or anything that would totally identify them, but. I, I'm trying to, I want my listeners to understand what you're saying, like what is dissociation and, and all of that. Uh, dissociation is what, uh, what the generally, uh, appears at the surface. You'll see it as mood swings. Uh, what, uh, what people can uh, relate to either mood swings or, uh, double personality. Uh, or different different facets to the person that are contrasting enough. So when there is there are more facets to a personality, there is a separation between one pattern and the other, uh, one ego state and the other, and uh, the person needs to transition from sadness to joy, for instance. In dissociation, they would switch from sadness to joy. It would be a sudden switch without the controls that happen in transition. If they master the two sides, uh, taking simply sadness uh, and uh, enjoy uh, um, depression and uh, mania, if they have something above that, if they have the bird's eye view of their state and if they can work with the sides of their personality in a way that they can lead towards an integration, then they can overcome the power of the mood swings. Okay. But could you, I'm trying to get you to explain this in a little bit, in a way that's a little easier to understand. I mean, without getting into all the psychological jargon, could you, um, like, in other words, well, well, okay. Um, (laughs) You know, what, for example, you, you, um, what would you, can you give us an example of a patient um, who, how you helped a patient deal with this? Well, I've got uh, this 19-year-old coming in with the parents. Everybody was crying. Uh, she was crying. Uh, the parents were very upset. She had just left a note saying, Mom, Dad, I'm gay. And she was 19. Uh, his parents said, how did this happen? Where did we go wrong? Um, uh, would you uh, agree to see somebody? Can we go to to a counseling session? We need to understand this. And uh, as they came to as they came to a session, uh, and I looked at the dynamic, uh, it was clear the same thing that happens with everybody. They need to understand. Okay, let's see what are the factors of understanding. Uh, this is a very receptive young man uh, who as well wanted to, to know what's happening with himself. And the first thing I had to do was, rather than assume, uh, I just had to ask him, uh, do you think that you understand what's going on with you uh, or you need to explore it any further? And uh, his reaction was uh, very sweet. Uh, he said, well, what do I know? I'm only 19. <laughs> I need to understand uh-huh. uh, by, by all means if I can explore this. Sure. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you what's happening, but uh, I can guide you and I'll ask, uh, I'll help you with the questions. You'll have to have the answers. Uh-huh. 
it turned out that the two facets that he was struggling with were that uh, he was very sexual. Like his sex drive was very, very high and very interested in relationships and very loving. And on the other hand, he was very frozen, extremely timid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that timid side was that other side of his personality. What uh, uh, what appeared as introversion was actually accompanied by extreme tension. So as soon as he saw girls, he would be so tense that he would block his feelings and he thought that he was not interested in girls. Mm. As he dealt with, with the inhibited frozen part of his, he realized that he actually likes girls so much that he freezes when he sees them. And he's more comfortable with guys because they really, they're just guys. <laughs> and he had a good bond in his family. So uh, instead of having a conflict between what he liked and his sex drive, uh, as he discovered that, he went home uh, after, after a number of sessions as he explored this and he relaxed in terms of what was happening with his thought process. Uh, All right, wait, he, I need to interrupt you. This is very interesting. You're leaving us on a cliffhanger. Stay tuned, everyone, to hear what happened to this young man. My yes. guest is Sandra Davis. She's the author of Am I a Man or a Woman? We're talking about sexual identity crises today. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and we'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. 
And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about sexual identity crisis, homophobia, and tragic headlines. And the number one tragic headline these days is that of Tyler Clementi, the uh, young man who jumped off of the bridge when Rutgers didn't do anything to help him or to punish quickly enough um, his roommate who was taking pictures of him, had a webcam and streaming his his sexual relationship with another young man on the uh, Internet. So, you know, it it struck me during the break, I was thinking about how it's so important to have um, talks like I'm having with my guest, Sandra Davis, the author of Am I a Man or a Woman, to have these kinds of discussions in mainstream media. The mainstream media, although they report (laughs) the uh, sensational tragedies like uh, that of Tyler, jumping off a bridge, there really aren't well-thought-out um, discussions like what we're having about homophobia and so on and sexual identity and what can be done to help these people. Um, when we left, Sandra and, and their families and to help society have a, a less homophobia and a greater understanding. So when we before the break, uh, Sandra was talking about her experience as a psychotherapist helping a 19-year-old man and his parents who brought him in who thought he might be gay. And you were saying that he had a high sex drive on the one hand and he was timid, especially in regard to approaching women on the other. And so it was, what, easier to uh, find men who were um, who had as high a sex drive or who wanted to... You know where where it wasn't so overwhelming to in, arrange a sexual encounter with them. Is that right? Yes, yes. And uh, he also said that with men is less complicated. Yes. There's more of an emotional investment in a relationship with a girl. Yes. Uh, so he was aware of so much more that's on the line. Uh, if he has to think of a girl, while with men it's more superficial, more available, and he was more comfortable. He had guy friends, and he was comfortable with that. So what happened throughout your therapy? How did he change? What did he decide? Uh, uh, two months into, into the exploration of what was happening with him and how much... Uh, his thought process was connecting to to this uh, timidity of his and how to how to release that. Uh, he went back and uh, said, uh, uh, "Mom, Dad, I did a mistake. I'm not gay." Now, uh, and he, to my knowledge, to date, he's still dating girls. Uh, has been some uh, maybe. I should not go into time specifics, but uh, it's been quite a while since he's dating girls. 
And in that case, uh, that leads us to a point that I find very important in society. Uh, young uh, people can be confused either way. They can think that uh, uh, they don't have a problem and they're straight, and then they are shocked when they discover attraction to the opposite gender. Or they can think that they are gay and find out that actually there's something else blocking their feelings. Hmm. They would say, well, I'm not attracted to that. Uh, I don't react emotionally to girls. I'm not attracted to them. But actually they can be frozen. That's uh, or have some other reason for which. So I find it important to avoid labels and uh, to, to go with the individual case, to understand everybody, to know where they are coming from, what's happening with them, and leave room for changing their mind. Mm-hmm. Without judgment, I say, okay, once you said you are gay, you have to just <laughs> stay that way. No, young people can be very confused. Adults can be very confused. So let them clear that confusion. Let's understand them and uh, and be there with them, whatever their experience is, uh, rather than have them lost. Now, I would think in this particular case, um, their his father was there was something um his father and or mother I'm going to say the father was particularly intimidating or was it his mother one of them uh, was very intimidating uh uh he had an excellent report with his father therefore the comfort and he loved his mother uh, uh, how could i say uh Intimidation was from both, mm-hmm. and part of the respect came with intimidation. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. very respectful, but to the point of, of being intimidated, it took him a long time to speak up and to, to talk about his feelings. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, as a therapist, what you I'm sure you were asked yourself this, and you were careful about this. What you had to uh, question when he decide when you know when he announced that he decided that it was really, when you figured all this out and he said to his parents, I'm not really gay, of course you had to ask yourself whether this was, whether he was being honest with himself about this now or whether it was just that his parents had expressed that they weren't very happy with his being gay. I I looked at, uh, at all of that and I discussed that with him. And I challenge him. Like I say, okay, two months ago you said this. Now you say, say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the pressure factors? Uh, like why? And they say, now convince me. <laughs> they say, convince me that now you you know what you say. Yes. And, uh, because you cannot go uh, up and down with you. You cannot go up and down with your parents. You need to know if it is an evolution of your understanding. Or if it is like you're saying, uh, giving in to to the pressure. So, uh, and he came with convincing arguments, uh, and it was still up to him. Uh, it was not something that uh, that I could impose or change, but it was still up to him. Mm-hmm. And I had to 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 enjoy the fact that he was comfortable with what he understood and where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So what, um, you know, what in your experience have you seen typically, what are some of the problems that parents have when um, their son or daughter 
announces to them that they are gay when they're coming out? What uh, what happens? If if they don't uh, have any clue into that, mm-hmm. uh, it can be like the whole world is crashing. Uh, and this is uh, like that kind of thing happens to to anybody else, not to them. Mm-hmm. How could this happen to them? And that's why I'm uh, I'm saying it can happen to anyone, and uh, anyone has to be prepared and not get crushed when it happens. Just open to understand their child, to to because it is about their child and about their child's life. And uh, that's uh, that's uh, part of the preparation. Everybody can uh, expect anything coming from their children. They just have to be prepared and uh, be there lovingly and uh, valuing the child. Well, of course, it's an area filled with landmines because, um, y- you know, it's gotten so political as far as, um, and the scientific data isn't clear either. I mean, you know, there there are genetic components, there are um, biological components and all of that, but there certainly are also psychodynamic, psychological components. In other words, what the child's relationship is with his mother and his father or her mother or her father when she's growing up. And Absolutely. so um, uh, that makes a lot of landmines because the parents don't want to think that there was anything that they did um, during the time that they were raising their child that could have contributed one way or the other. And uh, this is where being honest with themselves is very important. They could say we've done our best, but we don't know what was the impact of that situation or that situation or um, they could be things out of our uh, reach that uh, that have an impact. Uh, having a very close relationship with the mother and the father absent can lead a guy to cross-dress. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we cannot be upset that the mother was loving. We have to keep in mind that there is a need for masculine role models. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we have to uh, suspend condemnation, judgment. Uh, we are all in this. This is a planetary issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, any type of uh, sexuality that affects life and family is a planetary issue. We have to understand it. If we suspend judgment, then we say, okay, well, we're not saying you did something wrong. Uh, we are saying that this dynamic can have this effect. Let's see what can we do about that before it even gets there. Yes. Do you work with some families, or have you worked with some families who were um, in an earlier stage where, I mean, I guess the young man you told us about was somewhat, you know, earlier, but, um, I mean, where parents will come in and say they're worried (laughs) They're worried because their son uh, doesn't like to play sports, but he wants to uh, be in his sister's ballet class, for a stereotypical example. <laughs> yeah, well, I had... Uh, oh, wait, there's music. We'll have to wait till the yeah. next uh, yeah. segment before, <laughs> before you go into your answer. My guest is Sandra Davis. She is the author of Am I a Man or a Woman? Her um, new book. We are listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Here with my guest, psychotherapist Sanda Davis, uh, who has written a book called Am I a Man or a Woman? Um, a very hot topic in many different ways in today's society. Um, of course, particularly poignant after the tragic suicide of Tyler Clementi, who was outed um, by his roommate who took um, pictures of him, who took a video of him with a webcam unbeknownst to him and put it on the Internet. Um, before the break, we left you at a, on a cliffhanger. Um, I was asking Sanda about whether she had had experience with parents who came to her who were before their um, son or daughter had had chosen uh, or decided upon or recognized their sexual identity um, and that they were concerned about it. And I gave the sort of stereotypical example, but nonetheless true, of um, a, a boy who... Uh, parents are upset because the boy doesn't like sports, but he wants to go to ballet with his sister. So, have you dealt with those kinds of families, and what have you? How has that? How have you helped them? 
most families who come with that kind of issue, there are families who have problems at home and contemplate divorce. Mm. And they are concerned that the divorce could create uh, gender problems mm. because of not having the father at home, the boy could have uh, more inclinations. So that's one, one side. So the solution is simple. Make sure you have uh, male um, role models. But uh, also I had people who would say uh, my uh, my uh, two-year-old or my five-year-old prefers uh, a girl's activity. And... Uh, that's fine as long as uh, he's comfortable with his uh, male identity. Uh, it's nothing wrong with playing with uh, with uh, girl toys or staying away from sports. Uh, it could turn out to be somebody who is a, a very nice gentleman with uh, doesn't need to 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 run on the football field to to be a guy. Uh, so actually, we have to walk away from the stereotypical um, aspects because a guy wearing a skirt can still be a guy. and You can look at the Scots when they wear their ceremonial outfits. Mm-hmm. It's not what they dress. It's what's happening inside of them. So I would advise, okay, try to understand what's happening with the child. Try to take the child to a specialist if you, if you know it's serious. But if it's just a preference and... Uh, uh, he'll say, I'm a boy, uh, then there's no no issue with that. Um, well, and of course, you must deal with um, uh, families where there has been abuse that have that has um, uh, made uh, the child also decide, you know, become, for example, a little girl um, who was abused by her father or by some an uncle or so on who um, has become afraid of men. Those kinds of issues come up as well, right? Those, yeah, those are really at the root of a lot of what's happening. Uh, I, all cases I worked with had had a, uh, an abuse uh, factor, as uh, except maybe very few, like the case I was talking about earlier. But uh, abuse will create uh, any kind of abuse. It could be just physical abuse that would still create fear of the opposite gender. There are guys who cross-dress and uh, because they don't want to be guys, because guys are rough, because their dad beat up on their mom. Mm. Uh, so then that's when they have to understand that if they choose to be um, uh, caring and empathetic, uh, they don't have to become women. They can be empathetic men, hmm. and they have to, to learn to be comfortable to be men and uh, not identify themselves with the abusers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's huge. If you start to work at the, uh, at the abuse background of uh, in the cases of people with gender crisis, uh, you'll discard probably half uh, half of the population would be freed of identity problems. They'll just have to work uh, through the trauma. Wait, could you what, could you say that again? What do you mean? I'm I mean, in other words, in other words if, if they were if they had therapy early enough on. If they had um, dealing with the abuse, on, they wouldn't have a gender crisis yes, yes. or an identity crisis. Yes. Yeah, I would say that immediately after abuse, uh, don't just assume it's okay. Let the let uh, let the child forget about the abuse. No, go and work through. Uh, all parents who know that their children have been abused have to step in 
and go to therapy really early. And don't uh, don't create a memory block. Don't put it aside as if it uh, didn't happen because it comes back. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so many parents want to just pretend, well, don't believe their child when they say they were abused to begin with, or if they believe them, they want to just sweep it under the rug and pretend that, you know, it wouldn't have any impact later on. And, uh, of course, it, it always does, whether it's with gender identity issues or or substance abuse or, you know, all kinds of issues. That, that people don't just forget about it or get over it. Um, uh, and even the, and it doesn't have to be penetration for it to have a, a traumatic lasting effect. Even exactly. just touching or, or, you know, sometimes the, the mildest kind of, um, sexual act, you know, brushing by or, you know, but in a sexual, with a sexual intent or can, can still have devastating, uh, a devastating impact forever, years down the line until people are dealing with it, you know, they're 50 years old and they're in a therapist's office and they're crying about it. Or we, or we see a good example um, that's in the news. Another example is um, children, young men especially, who have been abused by priests um, yeah. and who years and years and years later, because they've kept it a secret for the most part, um, years and years later they're still crying. You know, when you, I've treated several and um, in therapy, when you ta- start talking about it, they, the floodgates open because these these painful memories um, are still very much there. And whether they've become, um, whether it's affected their sexual identity or not, uh, sometimes it has. In many cases, it has. Sometimes it doesn't. But it still leaves scars that affect them for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. I've seen that too. I've seen people crying for what happened when they were two years old. Yes. And yes. there's a term that people use. They say they blocked out. Uh, well, they block in. <laughs> there's no out. It's their experience. It's blocked out of the, their attention, but it still works inside. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, I know during the break you were talking about how the message, one of the messages that you or, or the main message that you want to get across with your book or what you're hoping to accomplish is to um, get these kinds of issues that we're talking about today out in the open so that people can, um, people can have a better understanding of sexual identity issues. Do you want to just close with that? Yes. Uh, I think that uh, many tragedies come from the fact that society is polarized in pro-gay and anti-gay, in uh, homophobic and uh, gay lovers, and all sorts of terms that uh, are not really helping. Uh, And actually, uh, we have to rise above uh, that polarity and really leave room for somebody to wonder if they are gay and be able to go back to being straight without being told, no, you're in denial, uh, or to continue their path without condemnation. We have to understand the individual and we have to respect each other in the process and we have to advance into understanding what's really happening inside. We have to start talking, start sharing because we can lose to suicide a guy who comes out of the closet or we can lose to suicide a guy who is in the closet. Yes, yes. I mean, obviously these... The roommate and the woman who helped him, or their lives have been ruined now too with what they did. I mean, assuming yeah. they're going to be properly punished. 
Well, let me give out your website so people can find out more about you and, and they can get your, their book, your book on your website and also on Amazon and you can order it from stores. It's on the way towards stores. Uh, it's sandadavis.com and let me spell that. It's S as in Sam or Sanda. S-A-N-D-A, not Sandra, but Sanda. S-A-N-D-A Davis. D-A-V-I-S dot com. And again, the book is Am I a Man or a Woman? Very interesting stuff. Even if you're not having a sexual identity crisis yourself, it certainly will help you to understand the people around you who are. So, Sanda, thank you very much for joining me on uh, Dr. Carol's Couch. And thank you all thank for you. listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And hopefully uh, the more people who can listen and understand conversations like this, the less people there will be jumping off bridges like poor Tyler. So, uh, stay tuned and don't stay tuned. Tune in again next week and we'll be uh, back with you with Dr. Carol's Couch. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.